Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and San Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Grandma's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 152, New York Sports Talk Podcast, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, which is on Long Island, and Freehold, New Jersey, which is in the sticks. It's in, it's in the sticks. It's where God left his underpants. It's way out there. Uh, hi, welcome to the program. It is Wednesday night. It is October the 30th. Ooh, scary. Spooky. Ooh. Um, it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. Scary ghost. Why, why, my wife and I, for 100 years, which is how long on nights like tonight it seems like we've been together, um, <laughs> with children. Uh, I, I just mean the children part, not the wife part. She's awesome. Uh, but it seems like we've had uh, young children now for 114 years, which is inaccurate. But um, anyway, we always sort of wondered, why did ghosts make that noise? Who decided that? We we had this conversation like six years ago, like right before our, our first Halloween together. We're like, how come ghosts talk like this? Why is this scary? It doesn't. Ooh, it just doesn't. Why is that so scary? I don't. We we wondered that. So we were doing that tonight with Wesley, our our boy. Ooh, and he was cracking up. Scary about that. He's three. He's like, why are you making the dopey voice? Anyway, uh, welcome to the program, New York Sports Talk. I promise. Uh, we do have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to do a really cool big unload. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about controversial plays. Uh, the World Series is going on right now. Spoiler alert. Well, I guess it's not a spoiler that it's happening. I mean, it was scheduled. I haven't given you a score. I haven't told you anything that's happening. But uh, we will. So if you don't want to hear the score. Um, anyway, 
if you're DVRing the game and listening to us. I can't imagine that's happening anywhere in the country. I can't. Uh, but anyway, uh, the World Series is going on. There was a controversial play the other night that uh, actually won a ball game, and it got me to thinking and wanting to talk to Brian about the idea of controversial plays in World Series games. There's been a ton of them, and it's sort of interesting. Is it magnified because it's the World Series, or are the plays themselves actually like bizarre, like very strange, something you don't see very often? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And also basketball is starting. The NBA is back. I don't, I don't care so much. Uh, I don't think Cal does either, but we're going to talk about why. Why do we not care? Why is it the officiating? I got into a very interesting conversation. Maybe it's the officiating, the lack of consistency in officiating. I don't know. And then the Jets stink again, which is nice. I want to talk about Geno Smith with Cal a little bit. And the Giants are going to win the uh, the NFC East, which is going to be great, Just to basically just to troll Jets fans. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then if he stays awake... Uh, Scott, the Islander fan, also my brother, and I, I got myself in hot water on Facebook there with my sister-in-law, who, by the way, you just is a magnificent person who you don't want to cross. <laughs> I said to my brother earlier, because I put something on Facebook, and I didn't mean it in the way that it was sort of, it looked. And I, and I just said to my brother, she's going to kill me, isn't she? He said, yes, yes, she is. No, but he's going to join us to talk about the Islanders. The Islanders made a huge trade. 11 games in the season. They got Thomas Vanek. So anyway, wow, six-minute intro. Hi, my name's Steve. I'm Sam Pete. I'm one of the hosts. Let's bring in the other host. Cal. It's time for Mr. Cal. Pino. Cal. Neva, if you will. Cal. Yente. Scary Cal. Here's a guy who knows all about Halloween. The two two young daughters. <laughs> Mr. Brian Calneva Capino Caliente Cau Scary Cal. Hi. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? You know, speaking of sticks. Yes. You had talked about uh Freehold, New Jersey, being out in the sticks. Yes. Right? Well, I just, I recently, I got a Groupon this weekend. You got your Groupon? Yeah, I, I subscribe to the Groupon. They sometimes have deals that are good for the family. So I get these on the email. And uh, I had a, there was a Groupon for Sticks, the band. It's going to be in concert. Sticks. Sticks, the band. There's a Groupon for sticks. There's a, there's a Groupon for sticks. They're going to be in. They're going to be in concert out here on Long Island. Yeah, they group, are. And there's a Groupon for it. So nice. So we're going. No. Are we taking a group? On the bus. Uh, do you need to have a group to use a Groupon? No. No, it's singular. So it's false advertising. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Groupon. Do you is know a, how is a made-up word? Do you know how it works? Groupon? No, but I bet you the bishop does. Let's ask him. I bet you, I bet you, bishop. Bishop, bishop. Bishop, bishop, bishop. That's difficult to say with a Hall's mental liftus in your mouth. Still fighting this thing. Still. Still. Wouldn't know it. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Jerry Lewis again tonight, Telethon style. You, you are going full gusto tonight. Here's the thing. Let's bring in 
Bishop and see how much money we've raised. <laughs> what? He really is producing the, the pants off this show. <laughs> is this a Nintendo game? As an this is an Exorcist remix. Come on. This is a Nintendo game. <laughs> I feel like I should okay. be scaling walls yeah, or swinging on a vine. Am I rescuing a princess in this equation? <laughs> Level 27. You're getting, your, you're getting your horror on, but you're dancing. Oh, that's what this is. Oh, right. You're getting your horror on. Okay, that's we're good. I think we got it. <laughs> I think we're all set. Because it could go on and on. It it <clears throat> it easily could. It's not gonna, but it totally could. <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for my chance where you got to hit the cough button. Yes. And all I have to do is play clips. Hey, Eat. listen, you. But but I'm here. You wouldn't have to just play clips. I can talk, too. I am you part me, of the buddy. show. We're going to sticks, by the way. Do you know what the Groupon is, the bishop? Do you understand what the Groupon is? The Groupon is you insure the person who's selling something a large amount of sales. So they say, okay, if you can bring me that many of that, we'll give you 30% off. You just go get people to claim it. So then Groupon sends out their little flyers, hey, wow. how'd you like to get in on this? And then you can go get in on it. I didn't think you I were going to break call. down the Groupon model for us. Negotiate. We were, we were just curious if you knew what it was. Steve, <laughs> it was a brainchild down. in 2008 of a guy named Jerry. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to break down their business model for us. <laughs> Steve, 2004, Wichita. Right. A man, a man who leaves a sales conference dissatisfied with his work. He works for Mary Kay. Um, I know. I of course I know what the Groupon is. I'm teasing. After all this, you knew. After all this, I knew. I just wanted to see you get up in arms about sticks. Uh, I wasn't up hey. in arms about anything. I just thought it was funny that they had that they've resorted to selling Groupon. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. You can see a worse show of sixty-year-old men in makeup and wigs. They are they are quite Name good. It. Are you, thinking, are, you, are you talking about Kiss or Sticks or La Caja Fall? I'm, I'm talking about Sticks. They are the, maybe not wigs, but certainly Make a lot of hair wigs? dye, a lot of hair dye, a lot of foundation going on to sort of keep them together <laughs> and at least make them look forty. All right, here I got here's the. I, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm forty. Okay. No, you're, no, you're not. I'm about to be. In like six months, I'm going to be forty. Dennis DeYoung is using makeup to make him look sixty. Let's be honest. Come on out. Because he's 80? Because he's 87 years old. So here's the no, longer with, no longer with the band. It may break your heart. He's a robot, he Cal. How many, I'm looking, times, how many I'm, times do I have to tell you? He's a I'm, robot. I'm looking at my <clears> inbox, <throat> from, and, and the line is from Groupon, and the subject is online web design course slash sticks. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you just blew You're going to get invited to like a convention and sticks is there? No, it's, they're two separate offers, but, they, but those oh, are but the highlights the, of the email. They, they put, put them together. together. Right. 
online oh, okay. web design course slash stick six. Wow. So it's not like come down to the Raritan Center for the uh... – Tommy Shaw will be showing you how to do HTML coding. <laughs> do you think Tommy Shaw went, like saw that and went to his manager and said, if I've told him once, I've told him a thousand times, please make it sticks slash online web design. That's right. Maybe the, maybe the, puppets, the puppets have their own dressing room. <laughs> they should at least wow. be getting top billing. I agree. They should at least – exactly. Uh, that's Anyways. tremendous. I um, we're gonna get to the sports in one second, but I I, I do have a a question, or actually just a statement. We're speaking of sticks and bands uh, from that era or whatever that I don't get or whatever. So everybody told me you have to see the Eagles, the history of the Eagles. You have to watch this on Showtime. Are you familiar with this? No. You are. Right, I'm gonna tell you right now. You watch what you say, right now. Uh, watch okay. what you say. Wow. All right, and you say what go. you watch. And you watch what and you say, and you, you say what you watch. Say what you, right, and you watch what you watch. You're, you're an You look at your watch when you say what you say. Yeah, you're good at the smack talk. Wordsmithing. <laughs> Wordsmithing. Um, and so the history of the Eagles, Cal, this was like a 17-hour special. I think it lasted longer than, than the group did. No, there's a part one and a part two, though, Peach. Part one was three hours and 15 minutes. What was part two? Or, or was I looking at them all together? It's, it's was part in total three hours and 15 minutes. Toto was part of this? In, that's correct. So uh, everybody tells me you got to see it. You know, People I trust, people whose opinions I trust and or were around at the time, and I know maybe I don't have the same musical taste as them, my father-in-law, but – they, I respect their musical taste and, uh, and can understand why they're, – they're telling me from the historical aspect, you've got to see it as a music fan. I don't care for the Eagles. I've never cared for the Eagles. I don't care for – I like Len Fry as an actor. That's the best way I can probably put that. Like Better than the music of the right. Eagles? My favorite Glenn Fry is in Jerry Maguire. That's my favorite version of Glenn Fry. No, there's there's two or three songs that I like, but I I never really got the Eagles. No, I agree. Two con- two two country. No, I respect them. I respect people who like them. This is like the Chili Peppers argument I had with a guy at work. Not argument, but discussion. You know, Chili Peppers come on Pandora, and I I leave the area. I live in a no Chili Peppers <laughs> red hot Chili Peppers zone, like zone free. But I just I can't I can't take it. I respect them as a band and Do you? I do. No, I do. And I, I respect people that like their music. It's just I just can't do it anymore. Right? So that was the Eagles for me. Obviously I respect what they meant to anyway. So I'm watching this thing. It comes on at like eleven o'clock on Friday night. Or twelve o'clock and I'm I'm up. So I start watching it and I have never been as torn on something that I've watched like that where at least 10 times I tried to walk away from it. I was done with it. And then I was like, ah, but I'll watch another 20 minutes because I don't like the music. I don't. Stop it. I, I don't like Jackson Brown. I don't like Linda Ronstadt. I don't like it. Wait a second. Look, I bought my ticket with Billy Joel. I we don't have any. We're not taking applications for Jackson Brown. We're just Elton John, like all these sort of piano-y, tune smithy guys. I, you know, 
Billy, we have a guy like that. His name's Billy Joel. We're not, we're not looking for people. No, I just, but I'm, Dory is magnificent. Like of how these guys hated each other, how they put the music together. I didn't know they were Linda Ronstadt's backup band. Like I didn't know that's how they met. So Glenn Fry and Don Henley are Linda Ronstadt's backup band. And Linda Ronstadt at that time is huge, huge. And that's how they met and formed the Eagles. And just the, and then all of a sudden Joe Walsh is introduced to the equation, to the movie, and like, now nah, you can't leave. But they're playing like their hits and their music, and I'm like, that's when I got up to like go get another beer. <laughs> it's like when they're talking about the actual songs, that was drinking time. Let me the ask story you a of the band. The story of the band when they're talking about how they hated each other and they're cursing each other on stage. I can't wait to kill you. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fantastic stuff. Right. Like, Pete, I'm not lying, right? No, Fry, Fry, Fry was about to throw his guitar down and knock uh, Don Felder's <laughs> head off. Right. And, and Cal, they're taking their curtain call, like during like a Hotel California, like that era concert. Yeah. And there's mics on the stage. So there's this all, all this adulation, the crowd's going crazy, bananas, you know, they're taking a curtain call, the sweaty, great curtain call. And there's a mic that picks up Glenn Fry saying, I can't wait to effing kill you. I can't wait. I've been carrying you for, what did you say to Henley Peach? I've been carrying you for years or something like that. Or, no, it's, they're a, saying it's this Felder. As they're, it's right, Felder. as they're Fel, taking Fel, their curtain Felder's call. like, yeah, you, Felder's like, you know, you, you know, you, he said something about, you know, it's, it's a lot easier when, when you're getting paid or something like that. And That's said, right. Yeah, well, I've been paying you for seven years. Right. Like they're it saying like tonight. nasty. It ends tonight. They're saying like nasty stuff. So that part was unbelievable. Wow. But then, I, and I know I'm extraordinarily late to the party on this, but I, I just got to see it. And I wanted to, I wanted to see if you saw it, Bri, or, and I know PJ did. No, nah, I don't get the showtime. Now, am I wrong to not like that music? I'm wrong, right? Yes. Listen to me. <laughs> you could at least have, take a second. No, couldn't be more. Have wrong. you ever listened to, besides Hotel California, have you ever listened to Side 1 and Side 2 of a real Eagles album? Yes. Not a greatest hit. I have listened like to a, a real lot Eagles of album Eagles. with banjo yes. songs. Yes. Like, and bluegrass. You're not improving and cr- things. And craziness. <laughs> Yeah, no, not... Uh... Because I just wrote something. I haven't posted it yet. But I just wrote something about the, uh, how I see um, uh, a Dead parallel... Dead people? A, par- <laughs> a parallel between um, the Eagles album, One of These Nights, and Hotel California... I hold them pretty much the same as Revolver into uh, Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm that gonna is how strong the material is on both these albums. Cal's, Cal's going to go get a drink. He'll be right back because he just saw my head explode. Wow. Okay. Ruh-ro. No. <laughs> Shots fired. I. <laughs> Here's the thing. No, honestly, here's the thing, Peach. I appreciate and respect your point of view. Like, I know you, I know what you know about music. I've known you for 20-odd years. I've been in a band with you, et cetera, et cetera. I respect your opinion on music. So it doesn't, 
I would not necessarily dismiss that out of school by any means. By any means. I would read it and take it into account. It, it doesn't it, – this, Cal, this ties into sports too. It really does. This is going to take us right into the fun mode. That's fine. Just let me know when we're talking about vertical horizon and I can sure. jump. Sure. <laughs> because I don't – I, capital E-Y-E, which is, by the way, how you emphasize I uh, in, a, in a text environment where you don't have italics I, at your disposal. I'm convinced you invented that. I think I did. I've never seen that before. Yeah. And it works, right? You get what I'm saying. Well, now, yes. In the beginning, I, I couldn't quite understand what. Right. What is he? What is I he? I capitalized the word. Is I. he having a seizure? <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. But just because I don't particularly care for the music, does that mean now Lou Reed passed away? Is another great example. Does that mean I can't respect it and or see its artistic value? Oh. Or I have to I have to like it to no it's it's a it's a legitimate question and it, and it it does tie into sports because there are players that or teams that I don't like but just because I don't like the team does that mean I can't respect the players on it you know sort of thing or I can't I can't respect their accomplishments I don't like the team you know the the Giants a couple of years ago nine and seven and they streak through the playoffs and they go all in and they go on this miraculous run. I don't like the Giants, but I can respect what they did. Can I respect the artistry of the Eagles and still think the songs stink? You don't – well – No, I should – You don't right. You're think right. that they stink. I don't think that they stink. You just I just don't, don't like, like them. them. That's right. And yes, you can do that. Thank you. I need, I need Bishop's permission, however. What would I you like say to me what, – what, what is what – is, the number one song of the Eagles that you just don't get that other people say, ooh, I'll turn it up. RTU Sports, New York Sports. Um, sorry, just tagging it there, just reminding people what they're well, listening it's to. it's not like you didn't bring it up. I did it. I'm, that's why I'm tagging it. I'm, I'm guilty. I did it. I did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> the song, you want the song? Or should we, should we, should we uh, what do you call it? <laughs> I can't think of the word. Should we bench this? That's not the word. Table it? Shove it. Thank you. Table. Not own. I couldn't get that word out of my mouth. Should we table, table this for the, uh, for the fun load? Because we may have uh, Scott the Islander fan, too, for the fun load, one of your favorite people. If not my Should we table favorite. It? Favorite might, might be actually my favorite person. So. What, e- what eagle song do you dis- despise? Find out what it is at 11. <laughs> wait a minute they're going to tell me what wait a minute <laughs> that's the next step by the way Jay Mafali and I decided today <laughs> the next step is they're going to tell you individually like what you're thinking right at 11 like, what, you, what you'll be thinking you'll be thinking you'll be thinking about Fritos at 11 <laughs> you're going to be thinking about a snack food we'll tell you what it is at 11 could the Eagles be poisoning your lunch? <laughs> they are. 11. They are. That's, that's the only thing that was missing from that documentary. I have, by the way. And they the did everything this, else. I, I can understand where you're coming from because I have very similar feelings about Steely Dan. 
to- I could could not agree more. Except Steely Dan doesn't have the cultural to me. It, no. Steely Dan's like a, a totally agree lesser degree, right? Right. Yeah, right. No, they're but a Comic Con band. Give me a break. They're, they're, I'm they're, sorry. They're small little nerd following. All right. Well, I don't get it. Nerds. Maybe it's because your speakers aren't good enough, man. <laughs> Is that what I need? Maybe you need to Tell go it? out. Yeah, maybe like get some doll twists and be serious about your music before you put on Steely Dan. All right. Hey, hey, how about a tube amp? Okay, if you're gonna listen to Steely Dan. Okay. <laughs> so you mean my Walkman headphones are not the ideal <laughs> method of listening to Steely Dan? With the one piece falling off of the right. strap. Walkman headphones. Wow. Remember those things? I do. All too well. <laughs> Are they left over from the Walkman days? From the let's, wa- let's see the if we can. Days. Let's see if we can date ourselves a touch more. Okay, so let's table the. I know uh, we talked about Nintendo Walkman. Yeah. We're making we're making Nintendo reference. How about that Rubik's cube? I can't I can't solve it. Um, let's table this till the fun load, and let's do the big unload. Let's do the big unload. Because there's... Halloween show. It's a Halloween show. It's either this or Ghostbusters. I think I just pooped my pants a little bit. A little bit. It is wolves in the background. It is the, it's the wolves. Harry. Now, don't the Beatles own the rights to that song? <laughs> I think that's the other way around. The other way around. Is not owned by the Dead Beatles. That would be awesome, though. No. All right, never mind. <laughs> that would be magnificent. <laughs> it's time for the big unload. It's time to talk about sports. New scary sports. That's why ghosts talk. Why? I want to know. Maybe PJ can look that up. Can um, you do the whole show like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that's how ghosts speak. Yes, that is. Ooh, the here's the big unload. Are you scared? <laughs> I want to know why. If you listen, if you were in a dark, unfamiliar place, right? Again, again, again as you want to be, <laughs> right? As has happened. It's very foggy, right? <laughs> And you hear a voice like that, I defy you to tell me that that's not going to make you crap your pants. Right. I, it definitely pants crapping. Right. But my question is, how did we decide that's the voice of a ghost? How did that become the accepted cultural norm for a ghost to sound like? Like that's your fur. That's you. You're taught. That's it. It's like it's like Joseph Campbell. It's like part of like myth. It's the collective consciousness that you you are programmed to think a ghost sounds like that. And how did that start? How did that start? That's a good question. Yeah. One we, one we're not going to answer in the big on those. Like what's the first recorded ghost voice? Right. On and, record. Right. And why well, is it that recorded on record? Would, be the same thing. <laughs> What's the first recorded ghost voice on paper? Allow myself to introduce. <laughs> okay, here's the big unload tonight. 
there's two things. I want to ca- sort of couch them together, and then we're going to get to the Jets and Giants, and then we're going to get to Scotty the Islander fan. So we're couching this and tabling the other thing. Just want to make sure I got it. That's correct. Got it. <laughs> What's with all the furniture? Well, we're going to put the other thing to bed. <laughs> all right. What's with all the furniture? Wang, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. So two interesting things for me. One was that play the other night in the World Series game. I think it was game three, where the interference call was made at third base, and um, and and the 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 Cardinals wound up winning the game as interference was called. Would have been out at the plate. Tremendous play by Pedroia, drawn in infield. He gets the first out at home. Salto Macchia throws the ball away at third base. Uh, Middlebrooks gets tangled up with uh, uh, Allen. Uh, Alan Craig. Alan Craig. And um, they rule. Now, the umpire made the call immediately. I think the umpires got it right. I really do. By the letter of the law. Do you? Yes. Well, that's, yeah. that's the rule. Right. That's the rule. Intent doesn't have to be there. And it doesn't matter when it happens. It just so happened to be in the, the last play of the game. Right. But that's the rule, and they got it right. So I started thinking about, and this is the second time I think in the, in that series that what was it in game one where they conferred and, well they, they took a double play they away took a from double the play Cardinals away. Right. and then the Red Sox went out and scored four runs right on on a rule that I totally agree with I hate the the exchange rule. In other words, you have to hold the ball for a certain amount of time like you know when right. it pops out of your glove like that. You are clearly not a middle infielder. <laughs> That's very true. Clearly. But, I, no, the exchange rule, I think there's, there's judgment calls there. Well, there's a lot of, I mean. It's not, call, it's not called enough. Let me put it to you that way. Is that better? I'll agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Which got me to thinking about, my question for you is this on, on this topic. Is it the fact that it's the World Series that makes these situations. I, I immediately hearken back to 1969, even though I wasn't alive. Um, no, but the you know the call in the uh, I, I don't remember what game it was, but the shoe polish situation with Gil Hodges, right? Was so, it three? I think it was game three. So a Met player, uh, uh, I think it was Al Weiss, right? It was J.C. Martin. J.C. Martin gets hit by a pitch. The umpire doesn't see it. Doesn't call it. Gil Hodges comes out, shows him the ball with shoe polish on it. Says, see, it hit him. Umpire signals him to first base. Famous. And there's all sorts of stories like Gil Hodges put the shoe polish on the ball on his way out to the umpire. And, you know, all sorts of stories around it. But it's a bizarre play. I don't think you can ever say in that, whoa, 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 with the typing and the microphone. Whoa, whoa. Settle down. <laughs> so, let's all take a breath. <laughs> All right. Sounded like you had a little uh, ghost prancing on your microphone. Ooh, sorry, Bryce. The ghost of the keyboard. <laughs> you we do it pretty well. I like you. We're all going to do it. You can never, ever in your life think of a, that play happening again. Ever. And it happened in the World Series. There's the, the you know, the, the Reggie Jackson play, right? In the, I think it's the 78 World Series. Um, against the Dodgers, where he sticks his butt out and you know has the ball go off his uh, his rear end and into right field when they're trying to turn a double play or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was seventy eight. 
and and they you know the Dodgers are leading three one at the time. They have a double play and they wound up you know uh, tying up the series. The Carlton Fisk play in the '75 series with uh, Cesar Geronimo, which is one of my favorite all-time baseball names ever. Um, you know where Fisk and Geronimo get tangled up at the plate on a sacrifice spot. Like Cal, is it the play? We watch a lot of baseball, a lot of baseball. How many times do you think you see that play with Middlebrooks and uh, Alan Craig a year? Twice. Ah, uh, yeah, rare. Twice. 162-game season, 30 teams. Twice. Right? And then seven-game series, once. In the World Series. Like, the, the odds, right? Am I wrong? Are the odds are, like, statistically astounding. I'm not a math guy. It was my understanding no. there'd be no math. No, but you're pretty, you're pretty close on the numbers. It's rare. It's, it's extraordinarily rare. And then to have it happen on the biggest stage in the biggest game, to decide a game... Is huge. It's just that's fascinating to me. Right. And I'm not talking about the umpire blowing a call. That's different. Like we're not talking about the you know the the uh, the what's his name Don Deniker. Don Denkinger in 1985. <clears throat> in 85, right? Who basically cost him a World Series. Like most likely cost him a World Series. Right. Uh, and he just made a bad call. I mean, he just missed it. By the way, the batter was Cleon Jones. It was Cleon Jones. It was Cleon Jones. It was game five. And the clinching the, game. The clinching game. And there is an urban legend that Jerry Kuzman rubbed shoe polish on the ball before he threw it back out to the umpire. Right. Take a look at it. So rubbed, it on, rubbed it on his shoe, on his own shoe. Right. You'll never see that play ever no. again. No. I don't think – no. I don't think so. Well, it's like the pine tar. Right, but the pine tar didn't happen in the World Series. I'm saying the, uh, the World Series has a number of these moments. Well, and the re- okay, so so I know what your question is. Why does it seem like the World Series has a number of these moments? Is it because it's the World Series and everybody's watching that it's more noticeable? That's right. And again, the prime example is 2,000 games this year, or whatever they played, 2,000 regular season games, and right. they maybe had three or four, you know, base runner interference, fielder interference calls. The entire the entire season, and then in a seven game series in the World Series, they have one, and it decides the game. It's it's an odd coincidence for sure. I think that's I I love that about sports. I love that about sports or about baseball. Because can you recall anything like this in other sports? Like, have there been Super Bowl games with questionable calls or controversial? Situations. The biggest one I can think of, Super Bowl-wise, of recent vintage, is the Roethlisberger one against the Seahawks. But they have replay in, in football, too. I mean, right. they've had replay for a long time. Right. They don't have replay in baseball, you know, or they didn't have replay in baseball for a long time, and they still only have it on, like, home runs. Well, that'll change next year. Yeah, what do you think of that? I like it. Well, we had this – my buddy and I were talking about that play mm-hmm. and, uh, in, the, in the Red Sox-Cardinals game and saying, is that challengeable? I feel like it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be, right? Because no. it's the letter of the law. Right. It's not a judgment call. No, you can, you can challenge fair or foul. You can challenge safe or out. You can't challenge something like that. You could challenge whether a guy was actually hit by a pitch. 
Or if it can, that, you think you think you'll be able to challenge that? I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if that's going to be part of it. But I, I feel like that's something that is challengeable. Right. When you're dealing with the when you're the law, when you're dealing with the <laughs> got serious. <laughs> Steven Seagal is. Uh... <laughs> Look, if you're if you're above the law, right, you don't have this problem. If you're after justice, then you really don't have to worry about it. If you're hard to kill, that's a whole other issue. Is that a is that a Seagal movie? Yeah, I feel like it is. Yeah, I don't think Out for Justice is. Have you ever watched an entire Steven Seagal movie? Not an entire one. Um, that's not true. <laughs> I think I've watched Above the Law. Above the Law. I think I have. The whole movie. Yeah. Sat down. You weren't drunk. <laughs> Sat down. I, you know, it was probably one of the. It came on at like eleven o'clock at night. And, you know, much like the Eagles documentary with you, I, right. I couldn't turn away from it. Right. You had a few Chardonnays, what of it? You know, spoiler alert, they blow up the church. <laughs> I, think you, I think you can spoil that. He's friends, you know, he's, he's a, the priest is a very close friend of the family, and they're going after There's a priest. There's a priest in the movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Wow, you remember this movie awfully well. I do. Sharon Stone in an early role. Played his wife. Really? Yes. This is pre, like basic, anything. Pre Basic Instinct. Pre. Wait, yeah. Oh, I don't wow. know the year of this movie. I would. I would have to say it's probably like 1989. Well, Basic Instinct is before that, isn't it? I don't know. Oh well, well, let's go to the videotape. If only we had some sort of device where we could look this up quickly. I don't know. I'm, I sure won't be looking it up after the scolding I received earlier. <laughs> Hey, it wasn't me. It was the ghost. Stop tapping the keyboard. Uh, Above the Law, 1988. Ah, okay. Good call. Basic Instinct is probably 91. You're probably right. Probably in the 90s. We, but were, anyway. in, we were in high school, Basic Instinct. Yeah. Wow. So, whole, so whole movie, Above the Law. Watch the whole movie. Sorry about that. You know what I, what I have never watched is an entire Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Nope. Me neither. Yeah. Got n- neither one on that one. Yeah, no, I haven't done the muscles from Brussels. Is that is that his nickname? No, wasn't that Schwarzenegger? No, Schwar- Schwarzenegger's from Austria. From Austria. Oh right, he's not from muscles Brussels. from Brussels. You got it right. Take it easy, Peach. Relax. Muscles from Brussels. <laughs> you came Can't on off. Like, like he's yeah, been waiting 152 episodes. <laughs> been waiting a hundred episodes for John claude Van Damme to come up. <laughs> it happened. It happened. They said it. Quick. He's across up. the room. Wake up, PJ. Wake up. They're down the land. He's upstairs making a hot toddy. <laughs> Halloween hot toddy. Sprints down the stairs. Kicks one of the cats. Come up from Brussels. <laughs> I knocked over my son's aquarium getting to the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Muzzle Brussels. There's fish flopping on the ground. Did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it in? Did he say it? Did Steve say it? Because I think Steve knows it. Oh, man. It flashes to his screensaver, which is Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is not a good actor. Way out on a limb there. Just in case you were wondering. Go He's easy. not strong. Yeah, but you know the difference. But the, the the difference between him and Seagal is Van Damme doesn't try to put himself off as a as a good actor. Seagal takes himself very seriously. 
he's trying to portray that he is a, a good actor. Right. Yeah, at least, at least Van Damme had the common decency not to try to put on the ruse that he was, you know, a, a, a tremendous actor. What was the movie which billed it as double the Van Damage? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my it had God. to be like, it had to be like Double Instinct or something. Double. PJ's like Double Instinct. <laughs> I just, I just remember the commercial where they, the, you know, the promo for Double it. Impact. And double Impact. Double, double impact. impact. And double the Van Damage. There's two of them. And then it was, you know. He played a twin. <laughs> you guys, you guys didn't watch Time Cop. That was like the one that most, like people with cable would sit down and watch at least one uh, Van Damme movie. He said that with a completely straight face. By the way, Peach, we've lost Cal. He's he's <laughs> officially he's officially lost the ability for rational thought. Universal <laughs> Soldier? No. He didn't. Uh, no, no on the Time Cop. Anyone want to come Street with fighter? me? Bloodsport, no. Kickboxer, no. <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not even Please. reading his IMDb tapes, are you? <laughs> no, I'm going Please. through my old VHS tapes. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I, wow. I was very much into martial arts movies. That's something everyone that, knows about that, me. But is that what we're calling them? They were kicky punch movies. Double Impact 1991. Oh, this post is mm. magnificent. <laughs> Double the Van Damage. Oh, man. I always remember that. That guy, that. this guy made 79 movies. I, I can't even get two lines on, on Boardwalk Empire. This guy made 79 movies. And he had he lines in them. Kicking and punching more. He yeah. starred in most of them. He's also quite... <laughs> Quite a bit more attractive than I am. It's fine. Not anymore. Well, I mean, wasn't he a big deal in Europe, and then, you know, someone decided yes. they had to bring him over? Yes. All right. He uh, he was. I thought that was Jerry Lewis. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, just before we get back to the sports, I'm officially going to blow your mind. I'm on his IMDb page. And uh, he has a, an uncredited appearance in a movie. Uh, that there is no possible chance you will guess uh, its title. No possible chance. I put the odds. I put the odds at you guys having this John Claude Van Damme in this movie at eight thousand to one. I'm even going to give you the. I'm even. I'm even going to give you the year. Is it a movie we would know? It is oh, a absolutely, absolutely a movie we would know. And I'm going to give you his his uncredited. Credit. This is what he was listed as. Spectator in the first dance sequence. 1980, 1984. Oh, and be dirty dancing. Uh, Footloose. Fame. These are both excellent calls. No, Guess what? Well. It's funnier. <laughs> Breaking two electric boogaloo? No! Go back one! Breaking? That's correct. He's in a breakdancing movie. John Claude Van Damme was in Breakin' as the spectator in the first, not the second dance sequence, mind you. The first dance sequence. And he has it on his IMDb page, which, by the way, he controls. You know, you know who's a spectator in Ghostbusters? Did you ever catch him? I don't, I, I don't think he ever gets a credit, though. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just waiting for Jean-Claude Van Damme being in breaking to actually break the podcast. Breaking. <laughs> breaking. Sorry, my bad. But he didn't dance, right? He didn't, he didn't pop and lock. And... Well, guess what? I'm going to have to go back and look now, aren't I? He just, he just stood he there with his arms two? crossed looking like he was having a good time. Not, he was not brought back for two. Oh, look at that guy. He was, oh, he he was not like asked back. He was not asked back. Who was the dictator in Ghostbusters? Ron Jeremy. Oh. But he was already Ron Jeremy by that point, right? Like he was already making yeah, well, filthy movies funny. by that point, right? The crowd scene, everybody's standing in the crowd scene as the Ghostbusters are going into the hotel. You know, and they, they have the police blockade there, and they're all cheering them on, and they're panning over the crowd, and you're like, well, this is a very, you know... They were all from central casting crowd members, you know, lady with a bag, guy with a dog, you know. Then <laughs> at the end of the line, here's Ron Jeremy. That's great. Just cheering them on. He was probably that's, just that's there awesome. walking by. Yeah, he was probably just hanging out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, anyway, um, everybody go, rent, uh, go get breaking on uh, I am on Netflix so you can see Jean-Claude Van Damme. Anyway, you were going to say... Before we got off on the above the law tangent, right? We were talking about challenges and uh, specific and calls that would be challengeable because of the rules, not yeah. the laws of baseball. The rules, the unwritten laws of baseball. No, the unwritten right. rules of baseball. Nope. No, the actual rules of baseball. The genuine rules that are written. Here's here's where this conversation took me. So I had an excellent, then the next day, conversation with XL, our FedEx guy at work, big, big cat, all pumped up about the NBA season starting. And so I was busting his chops. Comes in, I'm like, X, you pumped for tonight or what? Like, it's back, right? It's back. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm all pumped up. I'm, I'm definitely, I can't wait. You know, he's a big Bulls fan. I remember, told you, Cal. Yeah. Wait yeah. for, you know, Rose to be back and stuff. Derek Rose hasn't played in 459 days or something like that. So he wasn't happy yesterday after. He was not happy. Loss. He was not happy with the opening of the loss, but he was happy that basketball was back. He was all jazzed up. And then the guys in my office are doing a fantasy basketball league and stuff. And I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I, I can't. But, okay. So I asked him, so I busted his jobs, Cal, and I said, uh-huh. does, it, does it bother you to root for, for, you know, a sport that's fixed? I mean, does that, does that ever <laughs> enter the equation? Like, you know, that the regular season's sort of fixed and stuff. And he was like, you know, you could say he got, like, all upset. It was great. Because just like me, certain ways, there's easy buttons to push, you know. Right. So he uh, <laughs> so he says, well, you could say that about every sport, though. You could really say that about any sport. Like, the officiating, he, he goes, and here's what he said, Cal, that set me off. He goes, the refs in the NBA, now he wasn't talking about, what's his name, Donahue or whatever, which is what I was alluding to. That the referees, not the players, the players make eight gazillion dollars. They're not going to fix a game, but the referees can. Um, and then, of course, there's all the conspiracy theories with uh, David, don't call me Daniel Stern. Um, but anyway, he goes, you know what they need? They need a referee for the referees. So at, at He's talking about at each game in the NBA, they need an official upstairs who can overturn and, and uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, overrule 
Yeah, that's what you call it, Steve, overall. Uh, the officials on the court. I said, that's a that's a, such an... Like, the NFL sort of has that, right? Because they have the replay official. A little bit. But his, his whole point was, these guys should be graded in-game. I they feel like... For, and, and his point was for consistency. Yeah. And then he started busting my chops about hockey. He's like, how could you say that to my face about not liking the way that basketball is officiated and the inconsistencies and the ambiguity with penalties or with uh, fouls and you like hockey? But I just love hockey. <laughs> I mean, there's the same things in hockey, Cal. There's the star treatment stuff. Yeah, like with Crosby in the playoffs last year and stuff like that. It, it, there's star treatment. There's certain players get certain penalties called. Certain players don't. There's ambiguity on penalty calls. There's home calls. There's. I just think I know the rules of hockey better than I know the rules of basketball. Hey, let's be honest here. All right. All, I think the officiating across all four sports leaves a lot to be desired right now. Really? All, yes. All really? four sports. Yes. Yes. Really? I, yeah. I don't, ah. Yes. Again, yes. How do you, okay. I think the, I don't N- think, I think umpires NF- are that bad. Oh, I think umpires are awful. Really? Awful. I think umpires are awful. I think umpires, more than any other official in any sport, try wow. to inject themselves into the game. That I'll agree with, but how Not- are they... Not all umpires. I'm not, no, but I, how are they doing on the job? I think I think they're more concerned with injecting themselves into the game than than making the right calls. Wow, I don't I, know if I agree with that. Uh, I don't think they're doing a good job as a whole because of, uh, there are obviously aggregate. some. You're, you're, you're talking aggregate. Yeah, I get that. there are obviously some that are great. There are obviously some that shouldn't have a job anymore. And then if you if you were to put them all together, I think as a whole, like I would grade the Major League Baseball umpires at like a C minus right now. Would that be the highest grade that you give? No. You would give NFL referees a higher grade than that? Yeah, yeah, because I think, like I said, I think that Major League Baseball umpires are the worst right now. Of all right, all let's grade them out. Grade them out for me. I I would give I give the NFL uh, officials a B. Really? Yeah. No I would, way. I wouldn't go any higher than that. Wow. No, you couldn't. I give them a B. I would say probably hockey, like a B minus. Oof. You would go lower. Or I am I, grading, I I don't know. I got to think about it. Am I grading too low? Do you think that they're better than I'm giving them credit for? I don't know if I just agree specifically. This is a great place. Let's call Scott the Islander fan. This is a great place to bring him in. Should we give numbers? Let's call him. Let's see if he's, if, let's see if he stayed awake. Let's call him. This is a great place to bring him in. Yes, hello. And, and pray that he's been listening. Hello, guys. How's it going? There he is. <clears throat> Thanks for the call. Glad to be called. I have been listening. Scotty, the, uh, the Islander I can, fan. I can give you a quick rundown of where we've gone for the show. One, don't like the Eagles either. Two, 
Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was ridiculously bad actor. Three, I absolutely agree with Cal that overall the officiating in all major sports has gotten to be just ridiculously inconsistent, and, and it's rare that you see a well-officiated game. And you come away from a game thinking, you know what, the refs did a good job of of calling what needed to be called, of calling things consistently, of not interjecting themselves into the play and making the game about them. Uh, I'm totally on board with that. It's 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 really gotten bad from what okay. I remember growing up. First of all, hey, brother. Hey, man. Good show. Hey, man. brother. Thanks, man. Um, wel- welcome back. And I'm so glad, glad you, to be here. you I'm so glad you jumped in at this spot. It always makes me feel good that like he really was listening. He really was. <laughs> like, okay, I good. think he, I think he has I think he has Patrick listening and ma- and like making him write a book report on what, what happens up until that. <laughs> PJ PJ just mentioned another Van Damme movie. Write that down. Let's go right. look at that up. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Patrick, my nephew, my 12-year-old nephew has a has IMDb page open with Van Damme. Quick, get me some cigar movies. I got to keep up. Right. So, okay. So, so first of all, welcome, Scott. We're going to talk about the uh, Islanders, brother. We have to talk about this Vanek trade. Um, Absolutely. But I did want to uh, get your opinion on this because I uh, I value it tremendously, and you, like me, and Cal, uh, like hockey a great deal more than uh, basketball. I mean, you you like hockey above all, uh, but. You know, my friend was right, Scott. The the same problems exist in the officiating in hockey that exist in basketball. Why is it oh, that absolutely. one one bothers me a ton and one I accept as part of the game? Uh, <clears throat> it's a really good question. I absolutely agree with you that uh, the NHL refereeing has been like that and had those same problems for as long as I've been watching the sport. I mean... You know, you can go back to watching Gretzky and, and the calls that he used to get and didn't get. You can go back to watching Bossy and, and Dave Tiger Williams go at it. And, you know, there's, there's no way that what uh, what he was doing to Bossy was legal, but they weren't calling it. And, you know, then you get the different standards between whether it's late in the game in the third period or whether it's the playoffs and, and whether they call it in overtime or not. And, and I guess it's just, it's, I guess it's like the same as in baseball where every umpire has their own strike zone and you kind of know that that's part of the game going in, right? You know that uh, the strike zone is going to be different from umpire to umpire and, and from pitcher to pitcher, you know, Greg Maddox used to get the black calls more than any other pitcher in the game because he was Greg Maddox, right? Um, and there were pitches that he threw that were strikes for him, but... Yeah. Maybe not for any other pitcher at the time, right? So I guess no, totally, um, totally. But but I think there's, I think with, and I said this to my buddy X when we were having the conversation, and Cal, I don't know what you think of this or what you guys both think of this, but to me in baseball, yes, umpires have their own strike zones, and you're absolutely right, Scott. There were pitches that, and I mean, Greg Maddox is the reason that there's Quest Tech, right? Greg Maddox is the reason that they started actually computer grading the umpires on the strike zone. That's because right. Glavin and Maddox were getting the calls they were getting. But I think there's less ambiguity in a Major League Baseball strike zone than there is with, like, an interference call in hockey or a, you know, a blocking foul in the NBA. I think there's less ambiguity in the strike zone. Yeah, guys may have a bigger zone or a smaller zone, but it's always generally knees to shoulders, you know, or knees to the middle of your chest. Like, that's that's... 
that hasn't changed in 120 years. Whereas I think... needs the belt, right? Right. I mean, depending on the umpire, you know? Right. goes to belt. But it's it's there. It's a strike zone. Sure. And and I think that... But that's a rule, right? Right. No, no, absolutely. It's a rule. But I'm saying I think that I just feel like there's less ambiguity in safe or out than there is in, you know, a carry in the NBA or... You know, uh, pushing off in the NFL and pass interference. Like none, none of the, uh, I don't think anybody at this table knows what pass interference is anymore. I, I certainly don't. I, I see at least three, four plays a game that you could call it. You, you, you couldn't call it. I, I don't know whether it, it. You know, one play it is interference. The next play it's the exact same type of contact, and it's not. And you just either it's too fast for us to tell, which I, I find it really hard to believe considering all the camera angles and slow-mo angles we get of this stuff, or it's just the human factor, right? And uh, it, it's, I guess you just learn to deal with it if you like the sport, if you like the, the nature of what point. you're seeing out there, yep. right? You learn, to, you learn to put up with it, right? And you don't question it because you're like, oh, I just it's part of the sport. I'm going to have to deal with the... the Kobe getting the calls and LeBron getting the calls and the you know the home crowd influencing the refs to call the charge and uh, you know I just I'm gonna know that up oh, it's game four and the NBA really wants it to go to six games so Miami's gonna get twice the calls as, well, as, uh, as Dallas is gonna get right that's my NBA problem right I mean that's my that's my NBA problem like, I think could, that's that's where the superstar discretion is, plays the most is in the NBA totally agree right. Agree, and maybe that's why. I mean, look, none of us on this call big soccer fans, but I hear and read about the same complaints in, in soccer as well, where the refs give a yellow card, and you know, you've got one. Ref, I think this just happened in one of the U.S. men's national team games. There was a Mexican ref who gave a yellow card to one of the U.S. men's national team players, which meant that he had to sit out the next game against Mexico for a dive that was captured on three different angles uh, that the guy didn't come within six inches of, of the other player. Coincident? Right? So, yeah, right. Hmm. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. But, uh, wow. Can you, damn, sing, can, you, uh, can you sing that next time, please? I was trying I know, to date uh, myself like you guys on the call. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do bear a striking, a striking resemblance to Bootsy Collins. <laughs> you always have. Are you wearing platform shoes right now? Be honest. It's almost Halloween. Ooh, uh, ooh, Bootsy Collins. You know, okay, so um, do you, I think I have a theory about why I have a theory about why ghosts sound like that. By the way, oh, nice. Let's have um, it. Okay, so uh, I think it, this goes all the way back to like Greek drama, and uh, in the old Greek dramas like uh, Sophocles, Euripides, Oedipus, that kind of thing, when someone sure. would come back. When someone would from, come back from the dead, come back from Hades, they were always portrayed as being miserable and tortured, yeah. and, and th- that's how they were uh, portrayed up on the stage. So that sort of carried its way forward all the way through, uh, like Shakespeare, right? You've got uh, the three witches and Macbeth, and you've got uh, ghostly apparitions like Banquo, and he's moaning because he's unhappy. And usually, if they're a ghost. They're not happy about being They're dead. not happy, right, right, right because they're right. in some they, transitory situation. Right. Right. They're between they worlds. They're in chains. That's they're right. not doing well. So I, right. I think that tradition started all the way back in, in Greek times, and uh, that's just always the way they've been portrayed when it goes to the they're just, they're just not happy. 
Ghostly Apparition is the name of PJ's third high school band. <laughs> was that before or after Palantir? That was, that was, <laughs> I think it was after. <laughs> we are Ghostly Apparition. This, <laughs> this, this song is called Moaning and Chains. <laughs> Unfinished I think, business. I think, I think, <laughs> Marley. I think you're... Uh, <laughs> I think you're spot on, Scott. I really do. I mean, I th- I know that's sort of where it comes from. It just cracks me up that that's the way it sort of has developed. Like that, like that, like that, that sort of voice became accepted. That became the accepted norm. Yeah, like it could have, it could have been anything. There, there's so many different ways to express torment. Like something more sinister. Right. It's like, like something, something that sounded less like Don Pardo, as Cal just rightly well, called me out on sounding like. Right. Well, I mean, think back to like... Uh, there think, back to like Bella, think back to like the Bela Lugosi movies, right? And, and yeah. he was uh, playing Dracula, and that's the way he would talk. He'd be like, okay, boys. Well, Vincent Price, right? It's the same, uh, it's the same thing. <laughs> You had to say it, Scott. You had to say it. Did I just say the magic word like on Pee Wee's Playhouse? So all the all the furniture gonna start dancing around. You got to understand that on Halloween or any really holiday, PJ is producing the pants off of this show, and so you can't you can't say anything. It's a trigger. Say Jean Claude Van Damme. You should see what happens. Um, yeah. Fanboy. <laughs> Thank you. That's not. That's. That's just trolling, Cal. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, get, Cal, give me your final grade, then. You said uh, baseball umpires, C-. minus, Right. Uh, you said football referees, B. You yes. said NHL referees. A B-. minus. A B-, minus, and NBA? A C. Okay. Would you, would you agree with those, Scott? Uh, I think you actually rated the NHL a little high. Yeah, I knew um, you were going to say that. That's <laughs> <laughs> also awfully salty about last night's Islander Ranger game too. Like, right. We, we yeah, caught we'll, you at a bad time. We can, we can talk about it. I, I just watching it closely. I try to catch nearly every game, and over the last couple of years, and it's it's not even just an Islander thing. It's an NHL thing. I, I think the refs have done an absolutely awful job of being consistent, of calling the same thing the same way for a bunch of different teams. Uh, and letting things go when they oughtn't to let things go, and I just I think even C is high. I would go C minus or D. I just think it's it's really at a level that I haven't seen in a lot of years. Watching hockey for a lot of years, you know, you used to have the guys who knew this stuff like McCleary and Koharski, and you might disagree with their calls, but at least they were trying to be fair. Now you get guys like Stefano J, who obviously has personal grudges that he takes out against players, um, and I just. I mean, it's at the lowest level that I can remember it being at. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I wouldn't disagree. I would have rated the baseball guys higher. Higher than a B? No, you gave them a C minus. Baseball, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like. Yeah, you're right. I didn't like the baseball. I would give them a B. You would give them a B. All right. I do because I think it's localized. And you think that base? You think the baseball umpires are better than football officials? Yes. I think football officials are abysmal. Yeah. I really do. I see. I think they're doing the best that they can. I, I, I kind of agree with I that. I think they're I, old men, and I think they're, they're, they need youth. 
there. They need guys who can run and be on the field with these players, and these guys cannot. I cannot see another 63-year-old man running down the field watching, you know, Antonio Cromartie try to catch up with A.J. Green. Okay, and he's going to throw a flag. He's 17 yards behind the play, and he's having a coronary. I can't have it. Well, at least he didn't actually defend the pass like happened against the Jets a couple right. of games ago, right? Right. You know, at least he he didn't set a pick. Right. That's right. I mean, it just that that look. The Jets got destroyed this past weekend. Nothing was going to change that. You know, it, it, it's it's Anakin Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. Nothing can stop that now. All right, but on the first series of the game, on a third and five, and they go up top to A.J. Green, and they call a phantom pass interference, because it really was. I mean, they let that go 15 times a game, and it's an overthrow. Changes the entire complexion of the game. Entire complexion of the game. And the referee is 27 yards away from the play, because he's too old to catch up. All I'm saying is they need youth. They need younger guys uh, or girls. I don't care. Get somebody who's physically able to be on the field with the most elite, violent athletes in the world. You know, Steve, I, I soapbox. I got to. I yeah. I think football, actually, on the whole, because it's such a complicated game, and the rules are really complicated. I think is they it? do. Is it though? Guys have have certain responsibilities. It's a complicated game. I don't think it's It's more complicated than hockey. I don't. Uh, See, I think hockey is definitely simpler. To officiate. No, yeah, I I do. I think uh, the linesmen actually have the harder job because they're the ones who have to call the offsides, and that can be really hard to figure out. But a ref in hockey, all you got to do is just. Call the play as it as it happens, right? You see somebody trip somebody, you call it. You see somebody grab somebody, you call it. You see somebody throw an elbow, you call it. It's and and the it's thing about hockey, straightforward job, right? There's the only, a ton of ambiguity with the penalties, though, guys. The thing about hockey is that it's faster, and you just have to be able to keep up with it. Exactly. That's, That's right. why I think it's a tremendously difficult sport to 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 referee or officiate. The reason but I the say rules is that aren't football, but, but the reason I say that that football, well, what's complicated about the rules in football? Oh, well, you got to have people lining up on on the right positions, and you got to have people. You got to have covered the, t- the wide receiver. You got to cover. Fine. That's you all. You can't have they right have... substitutions. There's a ton of things to keep track of during a game. That's why they have thirty-seven guys officiating the game. Which actually, I don't think helps them very much because then you get into situations where one guy's waiting for the other guy to make the call, but he doesn't want to do that before the third guy weighs in, and then the fifth guy. And the fourth guy has to confer to the side, and it, it makes it actually harder to officiate. Too many but cooks they, but, in the kitchen. Uh, all right, that's fair. You guys are that, that's definitely fair. You're, you you make excellent points there, and and maybe you're right. Maybe there are too many. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's too many guys. Maybe you know. Maybe they should just have like a pass interference referee. Like that's all he does, and put it upstairs. Why are they so afraid to have a referee upstairs who's watching the game on the best possible angle? Why? Why yeah, does it mean, have to be on the field? I mean, wouldn't a referee point. upstairs? I agree with that. Have a much yeah, better view on like a on like a seventy inch high def television of a, of you know, and all he's watching for is pass interference. That's all he's watching for. See, I feel like I would take your buddy's idea and apply it across all four sports. Yeah, the ref, the refs for the refs. Have an eye in the sky for, four, for all four sports. 
you know, just to help. And they can buzz down and say, no, you got this wrong. Right. You got yeah. this wrong. I mean, one of the things that X said that I thought was really fascinating was it'll never happen because of the egos involved. And it goes back right. to what you said before, Cal, about baseball, about you know, Major League Baseball umpires injecting themselves into the game and making themselves a part of the game. Right. right. And, and he said, you know, the egos are huge with these guys in right. all these sports. So I did read a really interesting article today, though, guys, that about it, it was about umpiring in general. But umpiring in the World Series and this idea that if they do their job extraordinarily well, nobody notices. Right, and it's that's sort of point. it's sort of a thankless you know, no I'm not asking to have sympathy for them by any means, but they are human beings and it's a thankless job. It's a weird job where if you do your job exceptionally well, nobody knows it. If you mess up at your job, everybody knows it. You know, and you, you can't, you have to be perfect. And when you are perfect, nobody says a word. Right. Because perfection is expected. It's tough. Yeah, I, I would, look, I, I, I wouldn't want to do it. I hated umpiring. Did you umpire Little League, Cal? Oh, yeah. For years, right? It was awful. I did it for one year. <laughs> I hated it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't oh. do it. I was like breaking kids' hearts. I couldn't do it. I didn't like getting yelled at by the parents. No, well. That was my thing. We had some crazy parents in crazy towns. Scott, have you encountered that a little bit with um with Patrick? And you know, now Patrick's playing football and stuff like the 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 yeah. the, the officials like trying to do their best and the crazy pants parents. I mean, I think everybody who officiates a game is really trying their best to get it right. Now, and that's not uh you know, nobody wants to blow a call, right? Everybody, if you blow a call, it's the worst feeling you can have, right? And I see it right. now. You know, I, I play hockey on the weekends and, and we deal with the refs during that, and I see it with my son's games. And, and you know, they're, they're trying. They're doing the best they can. Um, and Which is okay, all you can so have. You, they're you they're doing their That's level right. best, right? That's right. You know, and it, it's a much different dynamic when you're talking about a beer league hockey game than you're talking about, you know, the ho- the best hockey league in the world, Right. Um, that guy's best, the, the NHL ref's best, is supposed to be, it's supposed to be really good, right? And when you don't get yeah. that level, then it really, and it has an effect on the game, right? Um, you know, when I play, I just, I don't talk. I just shut up and whatever. <laughs> you want to call that trip on me? I didn't see it, but I'm just going to go to the box now and I'm going to shut up uh, because they're just out there trying to get a workout like I am, right? Um, yeah. But it's, you know, in the NHL, you- they're supposed to be good. Yeah, but you know what? I think everybody will agree that if they're trying their best and they're not if you're not good at a job but you're trying your best, you can accept that more than the the guys that get very defensive and yeah. confrontational. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of that right now in, in especially in baseball. And especially in baseball. And Scott, I don't know if yeah. you see that when you play hockey too. Well the personalities yeah, are there too. I'm yeah, sorry, Scott. The per- the personalities are there too in baseball. Like that's a, you know, umpires, and and I think this happens in hockey too, Scott. You mentioned a couple guys before, like Koharski and stuff. Like these are guys we grew up and we knew. Oh, like yeah. if you knew if you knew Koharski was the, the ref for the game, you're like, oh man, Kerry Frazier. <laughs> Kerry Frazier, right? Kerry Frazier is another one. Like you knew absolutely. 
Um, and and baseball's like you know every time the Mets have a game and Angel Hernandez is doing the game, like you're like, wow, this is gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. Like he's he's literally probably gonna call two or three things against us today just because we're us, and just because he's yeah, not he's good at like his that. job. And he's like that with a lot of teams, right? Yeah, and, and maybe I mean, that's just, the problem. It's it, it feels like there's just not accountability, and maybe it's just because we don't see it. Ah, maybe that's it's a great the word. leagues the leagues try to keep it quiet. But it feels like, uh, you know, the same guys keep getting trotted out there. They still make the same mistakes and the same inconsistencies and the same poor yep. calls. And it doesn't seem like there's accountability. It doesn't seem like well, the league's that, calling them on it. Right? And that, that, that pisses off the average Joe, right? Like, that pisses off Absolutely. us. Who are watching oh, yeah. these games and, and, and want everything to be on the level, right? Like, there's nothing worse than, for a fan, for a sports fan, there's nothing worse than a confidence game. There's nothing worse where, where you have lost confidence in the legitimacy of the sport. That's right. So if there's any question about, like, that's why the, the what's his name, the referee, Cal? Um, Donaghy. Don, Don, uh, Donaghy, right. I was oh, thinking, Tim Donaghy, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking 30 Rock. But uh, right. Tim, uh, Tim Donaghy or whatever could have been disastrous for the NBA because the minute that you question the outcome of the game being legitimate – the, the game is done. I mean, that's why Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the jerk racist that he was, had to do what he did with the Black Sox in 1919. You know, and that's why he threw out a guy like Buck Weaver who didn't conspire to throw the World Series, but he knew about it. And that's why he threw out Joe Jackson, even though there was great evidence that he didn't throw the World Series, but he took money for it. Because the minute the public loses confidence in the game, you're screwed. Now, they can't anymore because the players make too much money. Right. You know, no, nobody's right. going to throw a World Series for a right. couple million dollars when they're making $250 million. That's right. But the, so the but only, they can get the only, to the refs. That's it. The only people left are the officials. And that's why right. the Donaghy thing could have been disastrous. But you, we're, we're average guys. We just want you know, to see a guy's level best. And when you question that, you start to be like, well, this sucks. You know, like I, I invested two and a half hours in that hockey game last night, and that guy blew three calls. You know, and I think he did it because he doesn't like my team, which is right. irrational. I, I, think, I think he did it because we won four cups in a row, and they're still That's pissed right. about it. And they're still bitter about it in Canada. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's, let's, let's uh, if, Scott, if you can hang for another couple of minutes, let's. Talk about Islanders and, sure. and Vanek, but Absolutely. I do have a Jet question for you before we get to Vanek, and it's a quick answer, and I'm going to ask okay. you guys both this question. Giants are on bye this week. Obviously, they've dug themselves out of the 0-6 hole. They're 2-6. and They're winning the division. Everybody knows it. Right. Just Super Bowl, here we come. Yeah, they're just well, – no, they, they will literally win that division at 8-8 eight and eight just to troll everybody, just to <laughs> troll Jets fans, just to – be the first team to ever do it, you know, go ahead and take your pants down, Jet fans. We won the division. But the Jets are coming off a shellacking uh, to the Bengals. So they've been win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Their record uh, after their last 11 wins, Scott, is 1 in 10. Mm. 1 in 10. So their last 11 wins, they are 1 in 10 in the following week. 
My question to you guys is about Gino Smith. It came up a ton. Wow, why did I just say that like walking? My question is about Gino Smith. Um, it came up a ton. You know, I guess you guys probably saw in all the crap that we read on a daily basis about this team. You know, people sort of jumping ship on him and, you know, after eight games and where is he and he had a bad week and one week you love him and then now you see the franchise quarterback. And then, of course, that former Jet scout, I think Joe Bamanito. Am I saying that right? Hal, am I saying that right? <laughs> but anyway, a former Jet scout who was a scout going into this draft uh, said they didn't have a franchise quarterback tag on him. They thought he had potential to be a good quarterback, not a superstar. And they thought in the second round he was worth the gamble. So he sort of speculated that there are people within the Jets' hierarchy that don't, still don't expect Geno Smith to be franchise quarterback. Like they're giving him his shot, but they didn't draft him thinking he was a superstar by any means. Eight games, right? I went and looked at Sanchez's first eight games. Because no 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 just what? just Cal's <laughs> Cal's already rolling his eyes. No, I didn't. Why would I didn't he do just, that? Because the why wouldn't are, he do that, Scott? The things that are. Being, <laughs> I hate you both so much. <laughs> I want to hear what your research uh, revealed. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you find that, down there? The things that <laughs> the things that people who hate Jet fans who hate Sanchez were saying about Gino after eight games. Like, he showed poise and a short memory, and he has tremendous athleticism, and I've seen enough that he should get a chance going forward, and all things that are, I'm not saying that are wrong, but I'm just saying, I think he, he's getting that benefit of the doubt, because his name's not Mark Sanchez. Because after eight games in 2009, the Jets were 4-4, four and four. they had a three-game losing streak in there. And Sanchez was eight touchdowns, ten interceptions, and three rushing touchdowns. He was throwing for about 56%. And he had thrown for far less yardage because Brian Schottenheimer was his coordinator. We all saw how good that worked out on Monday night. Um, and I'm wonder, and, and he had some really good wins in there. In fact, they went into the bye in week nine in 2009, coming off a loss to the Dolphins, which was his best game, Sanchez's best game as a pro to that point. He threw for like 300 yards for the first time. And My question is this. Two huge Jet fans that you guys are, let's take Mark Sanchez and that he ever existed out of the equation and just talk to me about what you have seen from Geno Smith Knowing where he was drafted, do you – obviously the jury, I think, is still out for the three of us. And now I'll ask the question. <laughs> what do you guys think? Is he the future? Does he need to have a good eight games? Have you seen enough out of him to think that he's not Achilles Smith? I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, have you seen enough out of him to invest more? I have. You have, absolutely. After eight games. I have seen enough to invest more time. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's fair. 
I have seen enough things that I think he has the he has potential. So you'd like you'd like to see more from him. I want to see these last eight games. It's not like I, after eight games I'm done with him. That's correct. Okay, that's fair and and nice to hear. But he hasn't shown me that it's a sure thing either. That he's going to be a competent NFL quarterback. He hasn't shown me that either. He's just shown me a lot of potential. So I want to get your guys' take. Either well, one of you can go yeah. first. <laughs> I was I was going to let Cal go first. It's it's his show, so. Yeah. He's first on the marquee, sort of like the yeah. online. I just yeah, I yeah, just the online web series comes before sticks. Uh, see, I see. I'm sticks. I actually paid extra for top billing. They bought the package that allows me to have the first name. So, um, was that on Groupon with the show? I got forty percent off. Nice for that, <laughs> and nice. tickets to Aria Speedwagon. It was great. <laughs> and thirty-eight special, yeah. It's double headed. Open. You can't. You can't fight that feeling, Cal. No, it was. Uh, it was. It was something else. No, if, if Foreigner showed up, now we got a party. No, oh, oh, that, oh, that went oh. quickly. Limited time offer for Foreigner. <laughs> Very limited. Really, <laughs> really limited. We've got like seven minutes for for that. Okay, Cal. Uh, I I would like to see more. I like I like what I've seen from him. Um, he's he's a rookie. He's being a rookie right now. That's what I've seen out of him. I think he's got potential. I think he does show incredible poise. I think sometimes the poise. I think sometimes stop. I see you. <laughs> you forget that I see you. Sometimes I forget we're video. <laughs> yes. The poise sometimes gets confused for aloofness is the best way to put it. Okay. You know, like when you look at him and he looks like he's calm and in control, I think he's not really. He's just kind of like he doesn't know what's going on, but he appears to be in control. Yes. And not for nothing. Perception sometimes becomes reality, and if and if he is giving off the perception that he is in control, maybe maybe that's not such a bad thing. You know, okay. maybe that maybe that calls the dogs off a little bit. Whereas if he was out there all harried and and frantic, people would be on him, and that would hinder his development. That's just my opinion. No, that's I, that's why I asked, and I think it's completely valid. Scott, Jack Jones, Jeff yeah, Martin. You know, I think uh, I think he has shown enough to at least give him the last eight games. I don't think benching him now is, is, uh, no, is a good that's idea. No, that's not what I'm I'm, I'm suggesting. My uh, the reason I ask it, Scott. Let me let me see if I can frame it better for both you guys. Yeah, we're eight games in. He's obviously going to yeah. play the last eight games. You're not going to see Matt Sims here, and that's yeah. fine. He's the starter for he, next week, right? And if he has a similar, which I love, and if he has a similar yeah. eight games to his first eight. And you you wind up uh, six and ten, seven and nine, which is probably where they'll be. And Teddy Bridgewater is there. When you're picking at the nine, have you seen enough out of Geno Smith to pass on him? No, I don't I think I have. I think if I wouldn't pass on a guy like Bridgewater if I had the opportunity to draft him, because you've only got a second round pick invested in him, and that's not nearly the money that it was a couple of years ago. Nope. And he hasn't come in and turned into an Andrew Luck or an RG3 or a Russell Wilson 
uh, or even a, a Colin Kaepernick, right? And, I mean, the league's catching up to those guys a, a little bit this year, but he hasn't shown that. He's shown enough to, to, to say maybe with some more experience and some more reps he'll stop making the mistakes. He's definitely got an NFL arm, probably a, a better than an average NFL arm. He's definitely yeah. got, uh, you know, some, some good ability to make plays with his legs. Um, you know, I think the demeanor thing is – I get tired of it because I think you can't win. Uh, either you're like sleepy G, and you just you're never you're not too high, you're not too low, and people are praising you for your poise, or you're a fiery jumping all around like Brett Favre, and people are praising you because you you play the game the right way, and he's like a little kid out there, or you're you know uh, Peyton Manning, and you're making the Manning face when one of your receivers runs the wrong route. I, you know, there's there's no winning there, right? It's it's uh, sort of is right. what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the Good same point. people who loved Eli when he was winning Super Bowls and now, you know, when they lost six straight were saying, well, he's, he's, uh, his pocket demeanor is terrible and all he does is, is slump his shoulders and it's awful. And they didn't have a problem with that when he was winning Super Bowls. So, no, I don't think right. that's – it sort of is what it is. But I, you yeah. know, I don't pass on a winning, page winning, winning makes any demeanor good. You're absolutely yeah, right. that's right. I mean, look at uh, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady had a meltdown on the sidelines and on the field the first time he played the Jets. It looked exactly like what Des Bryant just did against the Cowboys. Nobody was killing Brady for that. Nobody yep. was saying that, oh, look at Tom Brady showing up his teammates like that. What a distraction. Well, you know why? Because he won three Super Bowls. He can yep. get away with that. Plus, he's Tom Brady, and it's held to a different standard than Des Bryant because Des Bryant is a history of misbehaving. But that's, that's the thing. You can spin it any way you want. Yep. I, I like Geno. I think he's going to turn into something good, but I think if they have the opportunity to upgrade, then they they upgrade. He's not the guy that you just say, "All right, he's our guy," and I'm sticking with him through thick and thin. Uh, if a Bridgewater's there, yep, just don't see that. Uh, that that's I I think you guys nailed it, I, or or at least that's exactly how I feel. I think you have exactly what you have invested in him, which is a you know number eleven pick in the second round. You know, this is not a this is not Sanchez. Not a guy you traded up to the number five for and made your franchise quarterback and never gave him any competition. I love Matt Sims. Okay, so moving on. Was that out loud? It um, was, as usual. There's just something. Uh, there's. I I don't know. I you know what it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. I would love to. Steve, I'm going to stop you right there. If you say Moxie, I'm hanging up the phone. <laughs> I would never use that word. How dare you? Gumption? <laughs> Gumption, I might use <laughs> No, it's neither of those things. It's, and it's, it's sillier. There's, there's one thing that's legitimate, and there's one thing that's silly. The legitimate is, I think he has perhaps an exceptional NFL arm. Like, I think you listen to the way... You know, they talked about him in training camp, and Morningweg talked about him, and uh, Palmer, uh, uh, David Lee talked about him, the quarterback's coach. That, and, and then you listen to Chris Sims a couple weeks ago on ESPN talking about his brother, and, and you know, Chris Sims is doing uh, a commentary now. And the, the way they talk about this kid's arm, he has, like, an extraordinary arm. You're talking about Geno Smith? No, Sims. Matt You're talking Sims. about Matt Sims yes. now. Yes. Matt Sims has what – I mean, David Lee said it in training camp. He right. said if he, if he worked on his accuracy, he would be in the competition for the starting quarterback position. Right. Because he has, like, not just a great NFL arm, like an exceptional NFL arm. 
like a, like a Jeff George type of arm. Yeah, like just you just don't see it a lot. Like a guy who can throw the ball like he can throw the ball. The other one is completely irrational. I love the story. I mean, I love the story of Phil Sims, this giant icon whose kid is an undrafted free agent who Rex Ryan gives a chance to. And the Jets, when the Giants had him in for a tryout and didn't sign him. And then the Jets, he gets a tryout with the Giants as a favor to Phil Sims, and they don't sign him. And then the Jets get wind of it, give him a tryout, and they sign him, and suddenly he takes over the team as the starting quarterback. You cannot beat that story. I deserve oh. that karma. I deserve it. I don't think, I don't think that's irrational at all. I think everyone roots for the good story. I think uh, everyone loves to see the kid who, who who makes good and who comes from nowhere and, and succeeds. Right? That's that's what you watch sports for. I don't think that's yep. irrational. I would love to see that too. Are you kidding? There would be nothing better to troll Giants fans with than to say, "Hey, how about that Sims kid?" <laughs> yeah, <he's doing> <laughs> just be, it would just be magnificent to buy a number yeah. five Jets Sims jersey. Come on, you're fantastic. It would be the best exactly. story. It, 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 yeah, that's not irrational at all. Okay, we're going right to lose the live feed. Because, man, we went, we went overtime. Are we going to... By the way, it's not called penalty time. It's called... Injury time. No. Not called Bonus injury time. time one, of the, one of the guys who plays soccer in the office corrected me the other day. Because he listened to it. Friendly time? No. <laughs> All right, we're going to lose the live feed. Please go to www.rtusports.com and check out the uh, the show. We're on Stitcher now, Cal. We're on Stitcher. Yes. We're on Stitcher. We have a page on Stitcher. Search RTU Sports. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Okay. Going overtime. Hi. We're back. Hi. Bonus time. Bonus time. Woo. Bonus. Is that, is that what it's called? Uh, what? Extra, extra, extra time. It's probably extra time. I, think I don't think it's extra, extra time. Double impact time. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Van Dam. It's PJ. Holy Van Dam. Uh, there you go. So we can't have... Don't play the jet music, PJ. You missed it. We did, we did the jet. We can't have Scott the Islander fan and not get his... That's Whoa. last year. That's last year, Peach. <laughs> I love I love how we're admonishing him. Like we're just so angry. Stoppage no, time. Dummy. Stoppage time. That's it. <laughs> that's time. What, nice. That's what RTU uh we're, that's what this we're is. In, we're, in we're in stoppage time. So welcome to stoppage time. Alright. It's uh the polls were really our friends. Everything was top table. And uh, they're a first-rate club. Our passing was fantastic. And uh, really, the Poles were our friends. It's top table. That's my uh, soccer hooligan guy. It's not good. Was that English? That was Beckham. Let's get... uh, That was not English. Let's get uh, Scott the Islander fans. Take on the Islanders making the big trade. Scott, make it brief. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? you. We had you on for an hour talking about officiating. And now... uh, uh, 30 seconds. (laughs) You have have a CBS Sports Minute to do the Islander. (laughs) RTU Sports Minute. And go. 
Love it. Next. <laughs> He's not the best color man in the game for nothing. Um, uh, I, I, I think we all love the trade, right? I think we're all on board with this trade, yes? Yeah, I, I definitely am on board with the trade. I think uh, you got to give up something to get something, to quote uh, to quote my, my favorite GM right now. And I think that they got a really good player back. And the guy scored 40 goals twice. He scored 20 goals pretty much every season he's been in the league. Uh, he's dynamic. He's a three-zone player. Right? He's, he's got great skating, great shooting, great passing. Um, I think you'd call him a five-tool player in baseball, right, because he can be physical and he can, he's got good hockey sense and he's got good stick handling. So, I mean, he's got – he's an elite winger. And I think Islanders fans have been hoping to get an elite winger on Tavares' wing for at least the last two years. And I'm not saying that Molson uh, wasn't productive on Tavares' wing. He was. And if you look at the totals, three years in a row over 30 goals, um, you know, his game is very different than Vanek's game, right? Vanek is is uh, more of a playmaker, more dynamic, uh, just a different skill level, right? Um, Molson's Absolutely. game is camping out in front of the net, one of the best set of hands you'll see, and just really quick and just putting the puck away from within five feet, maybe ten feet out if you get him in the slot there. Vanek's different. Vanek can, can create space. Vanek can can set up plays and uh and he's not also he's also not gonna be a liability in his own zone, which Molson, to be fair, sometimes really was. I mean I I know Cal, you must be frustrated like I do. You see the Tavares line get penned in, in their own zone a lot and the reason is because Molson can't couldn't load the right. puck out or, or couldn't make that first pass or or you know, he'd get pinned on the on the boards there and the puck would stay in. So hopefully Vanek will fix that a little bit. And, I mean, in terms of what he paid, uh, it, it's going right. You can argue he overpaid, but really, uh, I don't I don't see it. Overpaid but I don't think you, can ar- that- you can't argue that yeah, yet. No, no you, I, I don't think you can argue that yet. Yeah, I, no, I think I, that's right. You, can, you can't. You guys, you absolutely can't. You guys are both spot on. You can't argue that he overpaid. And we also don't know, obviously, Toronto... Uh, not obviously. We've heard that Toronto was in on the bidding as well. We don't know if that's how high he had to go to get him. Well, that's and right. It, it's and, not an overpayment if that's what the market was was. If was that's what it out. took to get him. Yep. Right. And uh, you know, this team they have a lot of prospects in the system. They've drafted pretty well uh, over the last couple of years. A mid-round, first-round pick is not going to kill them. Plus, it's top ten protected, which is also very nice. You can roll it over next year if the bottom falls out and they do wind up with a lottery pick, which I don't think yep. is going to happen. Um, I, I just I like the trade a lot. I think it brings an element and brings a player that this team needs if it's going to get to the next level. And this is really the only way a team like the Islanders is going to get a player like this, right? That's right. Unless they draft one, unless they develop it from from their own draft, they're just they're not going to be in the in the game for getting a player like this in the offseason unless they can get him here early, get him on the Lubinesky, uh, not the Lubinesky, the Lubomir Viznovsky and uh, <laughs> Lubinesky, and Nabokov yeah. plan, right? right. Uh, you know, get him on the Lubo Nabi plan and, and get Grabner in his ear all year, going, "Hey, isn't this awesome? Isn't this great? Isn't this a wonderful place to live and play? And, and isn't this cool? And look how great the fans are!" And then absolutely you know, right, then we, Scott. Then we got a shot, right? He's got you, the grab the connection. You guys uh, brought up a great it, point the other day. Um, give him 70 games with John Tavares, a guy he's, ne- he's never played with anybody 
near the talent of John Tavares. He might like that. Yeah. He might be asking think, he might be asking them for a contract. Yeah. After seventy games with JT. He's never had a player like him. That's exactly right. I mean the best player that he played with was Palmonville, and Palmonville is a, a good scoring winger, but he's never had a center uh like Tavares. And I think that's what Garth must be betting on. He's gotta be betting that I'm gonna get this guy a full season with JT. I'm gonna show him how great Long Island is, I'm gonna show him the new arena we're moving to in two years. And it's a pretty compelling package, right? We don't have to worry about being stuck in the Coliseum for the next 10 years or for us moving to Kansas City or Quebec. The franchise finally has that certainty to be able to tell a guy like Vanek, hey, we're going to be in this beautiful new building. It's going to be sold out every night. We've seen what the fans are like here. You 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 saw what the playoffs were like. You get to play with Tavares, one of the top five players in the game. You know, stay. We'll give you the money. But, you know. Really well, that's it. it so. They they can give him the money, so that's a huge Absolutely. aspect. I mean, they can go they can go max dollars, and then the other thing that we talked about, guys, that I love is, and and you alluded to it, Scott, was you know if I have to sell Matt Molson or Thomas Vanek on my team, and I have seventy games to do so because Molson made it clear, or his agent did, that they were going to test the free agent market, and I know Molson yeah, said, oh so. well. The, they didn't, you know, they didn't contact me. Well, that's because your agent put out the, you know, the signs that you were going to do the Mark Strike thing, and and basically right. test the free agent waters. So you didn't want to talk extension, you know, your agent didn't want to, which is fine. I, I get where, Matt, you know, Molson put his career together here. Oh, absolutely. But if I if I have to court one of those guys and prove to them that they should sign here, I'm doing it for Thomas Vanek. I'm not doing it for Matt Molson. I'm not. And if I have the opportunity yeah, I, to do that and I'm Gar Snow, I want to do it for Thomas Vanek. Because you're right, Scott. I, I that's think, the only way they can sell a free agent right now on staying with the Islanders is to get him to play here, get him to be in the locker room, get him to see living on Long Island is cool, get him to, you know, they did it with Lubo and they did it with Nabby. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's a long-term and a short-term play, right? I, I think he... You know, they needed to shake up the locker room. Team hasn't gelled like we were hoping they would based on last year's run, and, and they're still treading water a little bit. And Yeah, they're, they're a frustrating team to watch right now. I think Tavares uh, is feeling the captaincy a little bit. He's trying to get out there and, and do everything by himself, and uh, and I think you're seeing that in his game. He's not. He's trying to force things, and he's, he's trying to, to really push and do, do too much, and, and so that's part of it. And, and the defense still has its issues, right? Biznowski's had the concussion, so that's forced some people into some minutes that he's they're probably lost. not really suited he's for. Lost. Yeah, I mean, he's he's basically their number one defender right now. I mean, you could argue Hamannick, but it's really Biznowski and Hamannick are one and two. So you take out his 20, 25 minutes a game, that moves everybody up into a, a bigger role, and, and they're probably not suited to handle that. Like, you, you really don't, in an ideal world, want to be playing Karkner and, and Martinek 20 minutes a night. They're going to make mistakes, and you don't want to play Donovan 20 minutes a night. To he's not ready with because he's he's not ready. He's a rookie, and you're going to see his mistakes, right? So uh, they're they're having some issues. But again, the worst thing that can happen to me is is all right. So they give Vanek when's the trade deadline? March, right? They yep. give Vanek until March. It just doesn't click. It just doesn't work. And then he flips him to a contending team to get his pick back. And I think that's yep. a real possibility if it doesn't work out. So. Um, that's one of the things I love about it was timing. He did it early yeah. enough 
to give it a chance to work. They're only 12 games into the season. Give it another 30, 40 games. By then you'll know it's working, it's great, they gelled, they shook things up, teams coming together, or not a fit, not going to work, let's get them out of yep. here and get something for them. But at least oh, you've yeah. turned an expiring asset, which is Molson, that you probably weren't going to re-sign anyway. Because like you said, Steve, if i got to choose between giving a guy like Matt Molson $6 million bucks a year, because based on his production, somebody's going to give him that. I mean, hell, look at David Clarkson. He got $7 million a year from Toronto, and Molson's a better player than Clarkson. Um, right. So if i got to choose between signing Molson at that rate and signing a guy like Vanek at that rate, take Vanek. He's just a better player. He's yeah, well, the other, the other player. thing... The other thing is that I, the two of them are, are roughly the same age, approximately, and if you're going to spend that money, I'm going to bet that over the next five years, Molson's decline is much more precipitous than Vanek's decline, if Vanek even declines. Right. Great point. I think, Great point. I, think we, I think we have seen what we're going to see out of Molson, and it's going to go in the opposite direction now. It might be slow. He's still going to be productive, but I think that Vanek is going to be better for longer. Absolutely. Uh, I, that's a great point, Cal. I mean, so much of Molson's game is, is based on taking the abuse in front of the net, taking that pounding, and he was remarkably durable given the abuse that he did, did put up with. But after a while, you got to wonder if that's going to last into his 30s, if that's going to, you know, by the end of a six- or seven-year contract when he's 34 or 35, you might not get 50, 60 games out of him because of the pounding he's taken. And that's his right. game. And his game is to... Is to to play in, in that area, and, and Vanek's game is different. And you think that with his skating and his ability, you could probably be productive in a top-line player into his mid to late 30s, and so you're less worried about giving him a seven-year contract. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and, and another thing, too, guys, that they brought in a guy, and I know, Cal, you and I talked about this during the playoffs last year. They brought in a guy who you're afraid of. Like, it sounds like a really simple thing, but when... The Islanders, uh, you know, when guys are on the ice, like JT's on the ice, and you're watching, and the other team is afraid. They have to pay attention to him. They have to know where he is. He strikes fear into the opponent. When you're playing against the Penguins, and Malkin's on the ice, and or Crosby's on the ice, or you're playing against the Rangers, and Brad Richards is on the ice, you know where Brad Richards is because he strikes fear into an opponent. And the Islanders did not have another guy like that. And I think... There's a mental edge that you gain with a guy like Thomas Vanek who can create his own offense, who doesn't have to rely on you know, basically being Mark Parrish and cleaning up in front of the goal, that they have another weapon that strikes fear into the opponent. Like where, you know, it's, it's a dopey thing, but like you're a fan of the other team. You're like, oh, crap, Vanek's on. Like at any time, he can go off for three goals. He can score at will, create his own shot create his own offense, and they just didn't have another player like that. And I think Strom has the potential to be that. So that leads me to my next and last question. Do you think we'll see Strom soon? Uh, you know, that's a Do great you... question. My problem with that is I, I just don't know where you put him right now. I think well, I'm, done someone Bouchard. Gets... I'm done with Bouchard. Are we done with Bouchard? No, no you can't be done with him yet. Oh, you I'm can't done be done with, with Bouchard. I agree. You can't be done with him yet. You've got to oh, give him I another like 10 game. games. Here's the thing with Bouchard. He's, he played 10 years in Minnesota. He is a complete fish out of water right now. You've got to give him a little bit more time. But to try He's to not showing it. me anything. He's not, he's no, not comfortable not yet. I don't have time, Brian. <laughs> Look, Steve, I have young men who are ready... 
I just I just hate his game. I just hate his game. I hate the way he gives up the puck in the offensive zone. I hate the way he skates around and looks for the perfect play. I don't like it. Yeah, but a lot of them are doing that right now. No, I know. The whole team is. You're right. It's funny. You know, I'm not a big advanced stats guy because that's math, and I'm a lawyer. I don't do math. That's what we have accounts for. But um, (laughs) Wow. If you talk to some of the... You just lost the accountant demo. Thanks a lot. Right. Well, no, they're good at it, and I'm not. That's that's what I mean to say. Um, if you uh, If you talk to some of the advanced stats guys, the guys who are into the Corsi Rel and the Fenwick and the possession numbers, they say the advanced stats uh, kind of show that Bouchard's been pretty good, that we outshoot the other team when he's on the ice, that we have uh, we have pretty good possession numbers when, he on the, when he's on the ice, but... It's one of those situations where, okay, well, the advanced stats seem to be saying one thing, but my eye is telling me something else, and my eye tells me he loses the puck along the boards in the offensive zone an awful lot, and he coughs the puck up, and uh, he he just, yeah, I I, I agree with you, Cal. He, he, i got to give him some more time, but if he doesn't get any better in 10, 15 games and he keeps playing the way he's playing, I, he's, I'm ready oh, I to agree. sit somebody I mean... down and, and shake it up. I mean, they, they they sat him down, what, five games into the season, which I thought was way too soon. But I, 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 I got to give him a little bit more time. Just, just a Fine. little bit. You know the, best, but, you know the best part of this deal, guys? The best he's, a third line, he's a third-line player. So. But he's playing on the he's, – uh, he's getting time on the second line. No, he's not. What did he play last night? He played with Regan and uh, – what's his face? No. No, no, he didn't actually. He was on with uh, with Franz Nielsen Bailey. and Bailey. He did. Yeah. Yes. And they he put did. Grab Grabner with Grabner on the third line, which is ridiculous. Wow. Uh, put Grabner on the second line with Nielsen and Bailey. What's wrong with you? Not you, well, we individually, debate. Cal. I'm talking about Capuano and his me? hair. We, we, we can debate about Capi and his central casting hair. <laughs> We've decided, Scott, that his hair is, uh, his hair is directly from central casting. For a hockey movie, for a hockey coach. Not him. Uh, his hair had an uncredited cameo in Youngblood and Slapshot. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. His hair is racky. Um, no, but I, the, the best part about this deal, guys, is that they didn't give up a prospect. They didn't. And when they're ready to, when they're ready to make a move for the goaltender and or the blue line guy that they're going to need, they still have, a, they still have all their prospects. Yeah, you didn't have to I, give you didn't have to give up one of your elite prospects to get an elite winger back. And even if it's just for this year, you got an elite winger back who's better than Matt Molson. And Scott, let me ask you, how confident are you that he's gonna make another move at some point, maybe in the next ten games? I think that depends on how well the team plays. I think if uh if the defense picks it up and they stop making these dumb mistakes in their own end and we can string together a couple of wins I don't think he makes a move until the deadline, and, and then he sees what's available. I think if they keep treading water at 500 and, and keep just playing the same way they're playing, being a little tentative without the urgency, I think he could make another move uh, that's even bigger than this one. I think you might see him trade a guy like an Oposo or, uh, or, or someone you. of that ilk. Hey, you know what? Again, Oposo's an interesting player. He's got two years left on his deal. It's a reasonable... Uh, a reasonable number for a guy like him, and he's definitely got uh, skill in three zones. But you know, if you gotta get rid, if you gotta trade him to get your hands on a goalie, and then bring Strom up, and then bring up a guy like Kersan, um 
maybe you do that at that point. Maybe uh, maybe you send a message to the team. You know what? This isn't acceptable again, and and I'm gonna do what I need to do to shore up the weakness here. I, I don't know. I I think the next ten games are gonna be really interesting because I think there's yeah. some noise that they might bring up a young defenseman or two from the AHL to see if they could do any better than what's up there now. Um, I think we're going to see Vanek and, and JT, and, and I think they'll try a couple of different guys on that spot if, if Oposo doesn't produce. I could see them moving Grabner up there. I could see them moving Bailey up there. Um, I think they're going to give a couple people a chance to be successful on that, if, if but Oposo's got the first shot. So if he comes through and that line starts to click and gel, he'll stay there with his. But, uh, but I don't think they're done making moves uh, if the team doesn't come together. I think he will go out there and, and try and get a better, another goalie, especially if Poulin plays uh, even halfway, not so good, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, but he's got it's going to be interesting once every three weeks. Yeah, he's got to he's got to actually play. You'll, well, you'll see him again this weekend. They got a back to back. I don't know if they're going to bring him out against Boston or Ottawa, but I, he definitely gets one game this weekend. Um, and I think he's probably going to get one game a week at least going out, right? Going he's forward, better. I think he'll get at least one game. No. He has to. The schedule's not going to let him play Mabby as much as they did last year because of all the back-to-backs because of the Olympics. So I think you'll see him definitely get a game a week. And that'll, you know, if he's playing one-third of the games, you're going to see what he's going to do. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I think the organization really likes Nielsen. I think they're just waiting for him to figure it out in the AHL and then that's their starting goalie of the future. But right now, you know, they've got Nabby for one more year because Nelson's not there yet. They've got yeah. Poulin to back him up because, and they want to see what they've gotten because you never know what goal is. It's a crapshoot. Um, right. But I think they really think Nelson's the guy and will be the guy next year. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Can we do a fun load? We have like a couple minutes. I feel like PJ's just been sitting there waiting. Peach? Peach. Is he still there? I think he's watching Above the Law. No, wait. <laughs> Again. Oh. Oh. Mother! Make it stop! Come on. And again, and again, we're playing Nintendo games. <laughs> Why does every soundtrack from an 80s... Are you a horror movie guy, PJ? Oh, yeah. He is, Steve, he is the horror movie guy. Is that they don't right? come. They, oh, are you kidding? PJ is the horror movie guy of all horror movie guys. Oh, yeah, I think that. I knew that. I think I knew that. I like Cowboy oh, yeah. Dead. I like are you a horror scared? movie guy? I'm not. No. No, me neither. Seen one horror. Like seen me. one horror movie in my life. What's that? That was Halloween Four. On a oh, date. Yeah. On a date with Barbara Pagnoni. Oh, Glad that you pick a good one. <laughs> the one with the little yeah. girl, right? I I guess I blocked it out of my memory. All parts. Michael Myers <laughs> is here in this town. <laughs> that was a nice big, Donald big Pleasance impression. Yeah, that's how you do Donald Pleasance, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, wow. We were going to talk about the Eagles. We tabled it. We couched it. Um, we so, uh, pants. I got a question. I got a we question. We put it to bed. You can, all, you can all wait, 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 wait. You said you I, didn't like Lou Reed. You said you didn't care for Jackson Brown. That's correct. I found an album where Lou Reed and Jackson Brown 
both <laughs> contributed material. They back my up question the to you is... It's an Eagles song, isn't it? And Flea plays on it. For all the marbles, <laughs> can you name this album? Wait, what? For all the marbles. I get Ooh, all the marbles. Is that a clue? You get all the marbles if you could tell me what album <laughs> brought together Lou Reed and Jackson Brown to contribute songs. It's gotta be a movie Scott soundtrack. Scott may play. It's gotta be a movie soundtrack. It's gotta be. It's not. Not. It's not. Lou Reed and Jackson Brown. Hmm. TJ, was this a, a holiday compilation? Was this something for a uh, a Christmas benefit album? Also a good guess. Lou Reed contributing to a Christmas <laughs> benefit well, I mean, album. the ones... The ones with like Keith Haring's artwork on the cover that I remember from back in college. That's something oh, Lou Reed might have contributed to. A very special yeah. Christmas. That's right. Right. That's it. Uh, no. This is a is, regular release. Lou Reed doing Silent Night. Uh, Silent Night. Uh, Holy Night. Is it a Fallen Oats album? All is calm. All is bright. Oh, that's bright. <laughs> I said, is it a Hall & Oates album? <laughs> Cal, no, they I write repeat. their own songs. Oh, no. no. There's a little clue there. Little ah, clue. they write the songs. Who said... Uh, ah. No, no, no. Not, not. <laughs> Was that uh, Barry Manilow? It's, yeah, I saw Cal's brain working there. Oh, I write the songs. Oh, I get it. I it's a Barry Manilow. Songs. It's a Barry Manilow album. I saw, I saw how you put that. To, no, Cal, he's saying that they wrote songs for this person. Or is it for an or, artist. Or band. Or, or All right, is it Stevie Nicks? No, sir. Is, is it, it Linda Green, Ronstadt? Is it Green Day? Why would it be Green Day? I don't know. Why would it be Green Day? <laughs> Why would I put it there? <laughs> Why would you say Green Day? I don't know. It sounds like something Lou Reed would do. When Scott oh, says Stevie to... Nicks, is he hot or cold? Uh, there's no way to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hot, that's for sure. I will say, this is, this is a really, really, really good album, and I think the three of you will come together to mercilessly murder it when you hear what album it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we all and we all know it. You've I, you've heard of it. I don't know if you've ever heard it. We so we know this band. Huey Lewis in the news sports. Magnificent. Please let it be that, please. The answer is Oh boy. No, we need it whatever by Nico. Oh come on. Wow. Oh, Featuring many tracks by Jackson Brown and Lou Reed. Oh, I can. Oh, I'm going to tie this all together. In Above the Law, Steven Seagal's name was Nico. That was his character's name. Mine. Mind Look it up. Good night. Good night, ladies Mind. and gentlemen. Mind blown. And on that note, wow. Yeah, I think we should end the show. But that That's, wasn't the album. Okay. It wasn't a Steven Seagal album, right? As Nico from Above the Law? <laughs> that Lou Reed and Jackson Brown wrote for? <laughs> Steven Seagal in the blonde wig. Right. 
like Lou Reed's cool. like, yeah, I got a, I got a new project I'm working on. It's a Steven Seagal album. <laughs> but he's, Nico. but he's, but he's in character. <laughs> Nico the Nico story. The yeah. <laughs> Magnificent. I would buy that album, unless, of course, Flea was playing bass. Then I, don't, then I don't want anything to do with it. Let me guess, Anthony. Flea too? Let me guess, Anthony Kiedis. This song's about California. Let me guess. Let me just let me just throw that no, out there. No, wrong. It's about heroin, okay? Shut up. <laughs> Incorrect. Yes, that's a sock on my penis. Yes. Um, you, you, we, we do have to answer the Eagles question. So please answer. Please ask the Eagles question again, and then we can end the show. What was the Eagles question? We had couched it. You were supposed to put it on the couch. We had tabled it. Oh, 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 we put oh, it to bed. oh. We put it to bed. It's on the table. It's couched. What it's is, couched it. What is, yes, what is the Eagles song? What is the quintessential Eagles song for you that, that just hits you the wrong way, that you don't, you don't, other people are going, oh, man, it's the Eagles. And you're like, yeah, so, what is that song? Life All of them. <laughs> Scott's answer was simply a two-word review. Um, <laughs> life in the fast lane is definitely one. You know what my favorite Eagle song is? There is one Eagle song that I absolutely adore. I mean, it made it's, 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 it's Scott knows it. I bet you Scott. Can I guess? Can Please. I guess? Is it is it Seven Bridges Road? It sure is. I'm right there with you. The only Seven one Bridges that I Road. find tolerable. That's it. Seven That's Bridges it. Road. Seven Bridges Road. But I appreciate the artistry. Cal, and I, and I, I like. Song. No, go ahead, Scott. I got to think about that. I was going to say I I love. Hotel California, it's a song that's never I've never gotten sick of, even though they played it. It's it's it and Stairway have been played constantly, pretty much on the air since nineteen seventy four. Um but Seven Bridges Road is my favorite Eagles song. The Eagles song, to be serious, that I can't stand, um, it's gotta be um Oh crap. Which I, I really don't like any of them, but the one that pisses me <laughs> off the most is Desperado. Desperado Whoa. just makes me want to claw my eyes out. Like, what the hell? And it's on the radio. Like, I don't want to do anything to my ears. I want to claw my eyes out. That's how bad the song is. <laughs> so I don't see the music anymore. That's right. It's, uh, yeah. Peach, why? Cal, what do you got? Favorite I, I, song? I like one of these nights. You like that song? I, I love that you like that song. I do. I'm sorry. That album is incredible. What, at what? What's it incredible at? <laughs> Come on. I just want you to know that you're going to have a very hard time working with me in the studio in the next <laughs> the next time we get together. Oh, oh wow. There's a <laughs> news what else, is, what else is new? Yeah, here's, here's Denver Jones with the weather. Thanks a lot. Appreciate <laughs> it. I'm going to take special aim at you and your prejudices. <laughs> I just love the fact, the idea that you'll probably write seven eagle-sounding songs for us to record in the studio. Well, here's here's the this is called Six Bridges Highway. The Eagles had the Eagles had six songwriters, but the stuff you you hear on the radio 
is like only the Lennon McCartney stuff, you know? It's only the, the, the Henley Fry stuff. Now, see, that and I agree you, with. If right. you only heard that, then, then you never knew what George Harrison did, and you never knew what, Ring, what Ringo was contributing, you know? They're, they're, the albums are really thing. much more well-rounded than the greatest hits. And Who is the been, sixth? They've been a band that's been kind of killed by okay. classic rock radio. They, they, See, now, I also like done. that. I also you like get, that Joe Walsh song. Life's been good to me. I could listen to that over and over again. That that's, that cracks that's, me up. But that's a that's, Joe Walsh song. It's funny, mm-hmm. right? Pretty Maze is a really good song by <laughs> Walsh too. I'm sorry, who? Billy Mays? What? Pretty Maze all in a row. The guy, the guy who sells the the cleaners. Billy Mays, that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, Billy Mays not with us anymore. May he rest in peace. Magnificent beard on that guy. Anybody ever buy any of those? OxyClean? Yeah. I have. Sure. sure, absolutely. I have a three-gallon tub in my laundry room. All, Are you kidding? All, all, all homeowners, by the way. The three, the three <laughs> homeowners immediately. You throw yeah, that into the you laundry? Are you I have a vat of it downstairs. That's you the only thing that gets... <laughs> you have any sort of in a carpet, you can need OxyClean. Yeah. Wow. The guy who doesn't own... Patrick's football uniform clean. Yeah. The guy. How about the ShamWow? Anybody? A uh, knockoff. You got you got a knockoff ShamWow. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but we got a knockoff of it. <laughs> Didn't like it. Oh, it was called the ShamWow. ShamWow. We bought it from Joey Lawrence. Sham. The ShamWow. Whoa. Joey Lawrence is the spokesman. <laughs> That's what he's doing now. That's hot. Six. Six, this is an awesome towel. Whoa. Shamwoe. Shamwoe. Tremendous. Hey, look, Joey Lawrence has to eat, all right? So do the Eagles. Why are you putting them down? (laughs) The Eagles are just fine. Yeah, I don't think they're hurting. Yeah, I think think they're okay. I don't know. Uh, They all get fired by, by, uh, by Fry. They all end up unemployed. <laughs> right, he eventually fires every one of them. World's worst boss. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Here's the he other thing. You're fired. Glenn Fry. The thing they left out of the documentary is that Glenn Fry waits until each of those guys had, like, their magnum opus, and they really started putting good stuff on the album. And by the end of that tour, that guy was gone. You're fired. What is that show... <laughs> The Food Network show where they want, it's like bar, res, bar rescue, and they have the hidden cameras in the bar to see what's going wrong with the business. Right. They yeah. should do that with the Eagles. They should do that with the Eagles. <laughs> try to figure out why there's so much strife. Is Don Felder stealing drinks like, from them? <laughs> like, he had in a bar necessarily. But. He had five Heinekens in his pocket. That guy. I I here's the last thing on that special. That I found fascinating. No one had a they, problem with Henley, did they? <laughs> no, Don Henley. Everybody like, got along. Everybody loves Henley. Cuddly Don Henley. Well, Fry didn't love him. No, Fry was jealous. But, but Fry was. But they had like they did have Cal. They had like a Lennon and McCartney dynamic, mm-hmm. where like as whenever the hate came into it, they still appreciated the other guy's songwriting ability. He threatened to replace him with Don Johnson. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a heartbeat. <laughs> Listen, we got a quid pro quo going on here, all right? I'm going to be on Miami Vice. <laughs> He's going to take your spot in the Eagles. 
You better knock it off. <laughs> How do you think I got that part? <laughs> I, I will I say this. Don, Don Henley may be the most uninteresting drummer. Oh, I mean, totally. he sure does play 4-4, four, four, but... Yeah. <laughs> he, he's the most vanilla drummer in the history of, of, of classic rock and roll, without a doubt. That's even oh, even oh, more so than Nick shuffle. Mason, huh? Yes. <laughs> wow, PJ might fight you on that one. Yeah, I don't know. To, 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 be, to be resumed in another episode. That's right. I think we owe Scott the Islander fan a final unload. Yes. We, we own one. He hung out with us for an hour, and we talked Islanders for eight minutes. <laughs> on the longest show ever. Right. Scott, final you unload. Know, RTU history. Uh, you know, I don't have anything prepared. I just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. It was my pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys. And uh, I think my final unload is the Isles will make the playoffs this year, and they will have a five seed. And you heard it here first. Wow. Wow. That is my prediction. They will be the five seed in the Eastern Conference this year. Book it. Record it. PJ, final unload. All right, two-pronged final unload. The first one is the Eagles do have a, a studio album box set, 1972 to 1979. I suggest you get it because it's awesome because you should hear the albums, not the greatest hits. But the other thing is a uh, really cool book Bob Odenkirk and David Cross and Brian Posehn put out of uh, yeah. two of their rejected uh, screenplays. It's called Hollywood Said No, and it's really, really, really funny. Excellent. Cal, final unload. Well, color me intrigued by that. Uh, my final unload is simply congratulations, Boston Red Sox, winners of the 19, 2013 World Series. I was at 1918. Yeah. <laughs> they won that one, too. They won that one, too. But the city of Boston celebrating tonight, congratulations. And my final unload is uh, welcome back, NBA. I still don't care. <laughs> still don't care. I'll see. I'll see you for the playoffs. Wow. Or not. Have a have a great eighty-two game. Let me know we'll if something interesting. In. <laughs> Let we'll me know if something. Right at the end. <laughs> Let me know if something interesting happens. Okay. See you uh, in the postseason. Super thanks to uh, my brother Scott, <laughs> the Islander fan, PJ, also known as Bishop, and of course Cal. We will see you all next week. The show will be shorter, or it won't. It doesn't make a difference. We're just having a good time. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Stitcher. Check us out on iTunes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Good night, Cal. Good night. Good night, Steve. Good night. On a dark desert highway. Eagles are I hate amazing. That. At what? Awesome, do they have, dude, I swear Do they have a God. flag football team? You know what? <laughs> they have a professional football team. Don't plan on getting any sleep because <laughs> I'm about to light up your phone. <laughs> Great. Great. Night, guys. Witchy woman. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. We'll see you. Thanks, guys. Hey, well done, everybody. Eagle Scott. <laughs> Seven bridges. <laughs> <laughs>